Thank you so much for joining us online. We want Bethany to be a place where people can get connected to God, to each other, and to the world. If you would like someone to talk to or to pray for you, you can email us at prayer at bethanysite.com. We also greatly appreciate everyone that gives so generously at Bethany. If you'd like to give, you can do so by clicking Give in the top right menu on our homepage at bethanysite.com. Again, thank you for joining us online. We hope that this service will be a blessing to you. Welcome and thank you for joining us as we continue in our series called IOU. My name is Josh and I'm one of the pastors here and thank you for joining online as well. But we're going to be in Romans chapter 13. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, we've been going through this series and looking at this key verse. So I want to read this key verse right from the beginning so you have this. And this is where we'll camp out. Romans chapter 13 verse 8. It says this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And so Pastor George started this a few weeks ago, uh, and he started this series, and I loved how he set this up. I told him I was going to use it today. He said, we're going to talk about three things that you should never talk about at Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to talk about politics, we're going to talk about money, and we're going to talk about religion. And so I get to wrap this series up as we talk about the idea of religion or that debt of love. But the funny thing was, so we start this, this series in Romans 13. Pastor George gets up the first weekend to talk um, relatively uh, about politics. He talks about what politics Paul is unpacking at the beginning of Romans chapter 13. He hadn't said anything else. He just said, today I'm going to talk a little bit about politics and what Roman has to say, Romans has to say about it, or Paul has to say about it. And I watched the girl grab her keys and get up. He hadn't said anything else. It's the very beginning of service. Grab her keys, get up, and just walk out the back door. And I was like, yeah, we've all felt that way, right? The last year has felt like that from time to time. The funny thing was I actually watched and she went out and she got a bottle of water out of her car and then came back in. So that was good. But I, I thought like, yeah, that checks out. Like we've felt that so much over this past year, all of the tension and the conflict and the recognition that there's different things that we have to kind of lean into and look at through a lens of scripture and what Paul has to say here in Romans chapter 13. And so what we're going to look at is this idea today, not just about the debt of love that we have, but unpacking that in, in understanding how do we love the people in our lives that are unlovable? What does it look like for us to love those people? And, and you might have like someone in mind already. Just in saying that, there's like people that come to your mind that you're like, yeah, that's probably a good example. And how do we use Paul's words in, in Romans 13, 8 through 10 to help us do that better and to help us live that out? Because what I recognize is the idea of loving others sometimes is really easy. Like this last week, you saw that we had vacation Bible school. There's several hundred kids. There's hundreds of volunteers that make that possible. A team of people that are united around this idea of loving kids and, and sharing Jesus with them and doing something special. And how easy is, that for, is it for us to love people in that scenario? We feel so united. In fact, here's a couple of things that happened this week, just so you guys know. Uh, we had a missions push for the kids. Uh, if you're a parent, you know that because you probably helped us accomplish this. But we were uh, trying to buy a ton of mosquito nets to protect against malaria. And the kids were able to raise $6,621. Some of you are clapping for yourselves right now. Thank you. Uh, the other really cool thing, and, and this is what it's all about, we had over 100 kids make decisions for Christ. So... 
thank you so much if you were a part of that because you helped make that possible. But when you're surrounded by people that you agree with and you're doing something together and you're united, in those scenarios, it's easy for us to look at this idea of loving others and go, yeah, I can do that. I can rally around that. I can, I can get behind that. But then when there's people that we disagree with or there's people that uh, I would say have done nothing to earn our love, In fact, in some cases, they've done everything to not deserve our love. They've pushed us away. Then how do we live that out? And so there's this idea that we're going to look at as we read these verses. And some of this language comes from a pastor named John Piper, uh, who is a commentator and a pastor. And so I want to give him credit. But here's the big idea that we're going to look at as we move through this. That this debt of love that we owe isn't because they've given us anything, but because Christ has given us everything. It isn't because they've done anything to deserve it, but because Christ has done something in our lives. And look, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. Maybe you're here and you're trying to to understand what this is all about, to understand what these songs that we just sang about, what what does this look like in my life? And we're going to talk about that in a moment, the gospel of, of who Jesus is and what that can mean in your life, and then the transformation that we're invited into through a relationship with him. And so we want to look at that through that lens. And so here, let's read in Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, and then we're going to go back through and pick out a couple of key words, so if you can follow along in your Bibles or on the screens. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit murder, or you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So let's walk through this and look at this lens of how do we love the unlovable people. And the first word I want to underline there and highlight is the word debt. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. And the question you might ask yourself is, why then do we owe a debt? What is it that causes us to be responsible for this debt to other people? And what does that look like? In fact, the verse before this, Romans 13, 7, Paul says this, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, than honor. In those scenarios, when we look at a, a financial implication or something like that, or, or taxes, we might not always agree with them, but we at least understand the reasoning behind it, right? Especially when it's fiscal, when it's financial. So then the question here is, what is this debt of love that Paul is talking about, and what does it look like for us to live that out? The New Testament was originally written primarily in Greek, and so what we do is we translate that Greek into English, and that's how we get all of our different versions of the Bible. And so we can look at some of those Greek words. And one of the words that Pastor George looked at a few weeks ago is that word debt. And that word is ophilo, and that's to owe, to be obligated, denotes a weight or a burden or a yoke, that there's a responsibility then that we're being challenged to love people through and because. And in fact, early in Romans, Paul says this at the beginning of this letter that he's writing, I am obligated, and that's the same Greek word that he uses there for debt, obligated, both to Greeks and non-Greeks, 
both to the wise and to the foolish. This is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. And the English Standard Version I'm reading in the NIV says he's obligated to Greeks and barbarians. And so if we try to understand why we owe this debt, Paul wouldn't be obligated to barbarians because they had done anything for him. There's nothing that they would have done that then had this responsibility that he had to pay back something that he owed. There's a much bigger reason why we owe a debt of love, and it's foundational to why we are even capable of trying to live out that debt and to fulfill that debt. The foundation of of the gospel of who Jesus is, his, his life, his death, and resurrection, and what that can mean in our lives if we choose to follow him, the way in which that can transform us. And this is foundational to everything we do as a church. It's why we exist. It's why we talk about these things. It's why we sing these songs. It's why we gather together the gospel of who Jesus is and what that can mean in your life. It's what we shared with those kids this week, this reality that, that we believe wholeheartedly that there is a God. And that God created the heavens and the earth, and he created you, and he created me, and he created everything within the earth. But because of this thing called sin, there's a separation. Romans, or, or Paul, early on in Romans chapter 3, says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has sinned. And then in verse, or chapter 5, he says, the wages of that sin, what we then deserve, is death. And we're not just talking an, an earthly death here, but an eternal separation from God. That there's a separation because this sin that, that makes it impossible for us on our own to do anything to restore that relationship. And through that sin, we see brokenness and heartache and all the pain that enters into the world around us and into our lives. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, to walk on this earth, fully man and fully God, and he lived a perfect life. And at the end of his life, he went to the cross, this symbolism that we have on our stage and and that people wear around their neck to die as a payment, or we use the word sometimes atonement, for our sin. That through his death and then three days later, his resurrection, there's now an access point by which we can have a relationship with the creator of the universe, with the true God. The Bible says if you confess with your heart and believe in your, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And so we have this opportunity to choose how to decide to respond to this gospel of who Jesus is, his death and resurrection, and what that can mean in our lives. And and you make that decision. Your, Your spouse can't make it for you. Your parents can't make it for you. But in doing that, you can enter into a relationship with him. And the Bible then says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within the hearts and minds of those that love him. That we have a strength through the transformation in Jesus Christ to do things that we can't do on our own. We have the the power to overcome addiction and to restore relationships and to love people that don't deserve it. Only through the power of Jesus. In 1 John, it says that we can love. The whole reason that we can love is because Christ first loved us so much. So when we talk about this idea of a debt, a responsibility, a burden, a weight that we have to others. It has nothing to do with them and everything to do with him. And and it's only possible if it flows out of the love that he has already shown us. 
that gospel of who he is is foundational to the transformation that's possible within our lives. That verse 8 goes on to say, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. And if you're like me, this, this might be where you get stuck. There's this good news that, that through Jesus that, that we can love because he first loved us. And then Paul has to add in there that it's continuing. This energy that, that is so natural for us to put in to, to love the unlovable, if we try to do it on our own, is, is something that we can't do continuously. Time after time, they let us down or we let ourselves down as we try to do that. And, and I was thinking of a a visual way to look at this. And so I brought this, this box with. Um, I'm going to explain why I have this box. And I'm not sure that's going to make it any less weird, but I will. So um, a couple years ago, my wife came home from a thrift store. And she had with her uh, a piece of artwork. Uh, and it was hideous. <laughs> like, it was really, she knew it was hideous, but it was a really bad uh, piece of artwork. I'm not going to put it on the screen because we bought it here locally and it looks like a kid's painting and I don't want to put that kid on blast. But she brought home this piece of artwork and uh, she said, I have a great idea. I think we should put this piece of ugly artwork in our guest bathroom, the bathroom in our house that everyone that visits our house is going to see. And like any good husband, what do you think I said? Yes, ma'am. And so we put this ugly piece of artwork in our bathroom and we realized quickly over the next couple months that if you're looking for it, there's a lot of really bad artwork around in thrift stores. We've got uh, some needle points that have like misspellings and bad grammar, um, some different things. There's a family that's the royal family painted as hamsters, um, all of these different pieces of artwork. And what we've done is this bathroom now uh, is basically floor to ceiling random ugly artwork around all four walls <laughs> to the point that when we have community groups, some of the, the kids in our community group won't use that bathroom because they're creeped out by it, um, which I think means we've accomplished our goal. And so what we have in there is this box and it's random artwork and ugly things and stuff like that. And so I, I was thinking about if we try to do this, this idea of continuous love, if we try to do this on our own, then it can feel like this over and over. We, we muster up the energy and the strength. And if we try to do this without God, God's power and just do this all on our own, we pour everything into it. I don't know if you guys can see this box, but it's a, it's a little box uh, with a little switch on top. And this is what it can feel like to me if I try to do this all on my own. I give it everything I got. That's about how quick they'll let us down, Right? That's about what it feels like. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to give it everything I got. I'm going to be nice to them. I'm going to see them in the store, and I'm going to say hi. And then, and then I go on social media, and I'm like, oh, they posted that. Okay. You know how quickly we, we change our own perspective and our own opinions. And every time that we try to do this on our own, and we give it every bit of effort we have, we come up with the same result, which they would call the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That if we try to focus on this idea of continually loving the people that are unlovable, we will continue to fail or they will continue to let us down. We have to lean in to the power of who Christ is. But, but here's what happens as a result of that. Verse 9. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor 
as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment. If you underline, that's where we're going to look at, the fulfillment of the law. Now, Paul's words here are are kind of a direct copy of what Jesus said when he was asked, what is the most important commandment? He said, the first is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And many of us have heard that, but he goes on to say this, and all of the law and prophet hang on these two things. That, that all of these other things that he's talking to the religious people about hang on the focus and intention of these two things. And the reason this is, is kind of a complex scenario is we have to understand the book of Romans and who Paul's writing to and what this might have meant, much like Jesus was talking to a group of religious leaders as well. You see, Paul writes the book of Romans to the Roman church, which is made up of people that are, are both Jewish and non-Jewish or Gentile. And in this, we see he lays out this beautiful plan for salvation and walks through and clarifies so many things to to fight for unity because the Jewish people had something called the Torah or the law. And it was the restrictions and the things that had kept them in right relationship with God. It was the things they focused on and put their energy into. And there were some dietary restrictions and there were some, some ways in which they interacted with each other and all sorts of different things that helped them to be in right relationship with God. And then Jesus came along and said, I'm the Savior. I'm the Messiah. And through this death and resurrection, there's a new way of this relationship. And Paul It's writing into a church made up of of two different groups of people that are fighting and there's tension. And one of the reasons that that's really likely is because uh, at this time of the Roman church growing, the emperor Claudius had actually expelled the Jewish people um, for it's estimated roughly five years. He had sent them all away. And as he did that, the church in Rome, the Christian church, continued to grow. And then these Jewish people come back to this church and it's nothing like they remember. None of the things that had made it a Jewish church, the culture that had been a part of it for their entire life, those things had started to dissipate and they weren't important to the non-Jewish people. And Paul writes into this, this idea of unity and to unify them around this idea. But what they came back to is something that they didn't even recognize anymore. And I think we can all relate to that over the course of this last year. We get comfortable with what we feel like is normal. We get comfortable with our rhythm. We get comfortable with our routine. And when those things get adjusted or they get challenged, it can disorient us. It can make it hard for us to remember what the important things are, what our focus should be, where we should put our energy. And so in Paul's writing here, where he says, love is the fulfillment of the law. He unifies them around this idea, just like Jesus did. That if you focus on, on this idea of loving others, that, that you're not going to steal from them, or you're not going to kill them, that naturally these things are going to flow out of your love for them, and this is something that the church can rally around, that it can be known for, that it can focus on. He said, stop arguing and fighting and rally around this idea. You know, he, he lays it out in chapters 1 through 7, so clear to help people understand the gospel of who Jesus is. And then moves on and says, here's how we can live that out. And here's what that can look like. 
So it's this idea that we, we have a debt that we owe to others, not because of anything they've done, but because of what, what Christ has done. And then we're challenged to continually choose that love over and over and over again. But if we do that, if that's how we live our life, taking the power and the love of Christ working through us, that that's the fulfillment of the law. It's the fulfillment of what God intended for us, the way in which he intended for us to live. And that big idea, if you don't remember, is this. This debt of love that we owe isn't because they've given us anything, but because Christ has given us everything. So I want to look at what this looks like in our day-to-day lives. What does it look like for us to, to practice this as, as both individuals and as a church? And to do that, we're going to use Jesus' words in this prayer that he gives us. It's, uh, it's in Matthew, and, and many of you are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As that prayer goes on, it, it says this, And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Or in some versions say, or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And again, the Greek word there used for debt is the same word. That there is this responsibility and recognition that if we continually go back and try to do this on our own, through our own strength and our own energy, we're going to continue to fail. But if we set aside time to focus on what God has done for us, And then allow that to flow out of us that we can be transformed. And so I want to practice that as a church over this week. I want to go through this week together and is that part of our prayer. That we would recognize that Christ has forgiven us. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus and you've asked him to forgive you, he has done that as, he says, as we forgive those that have sinned against us. That there would be a reminder every time we pray that he would forgive us because we are going to continue to fail. We're broken. That every time we would be reminded to forgive others. And there's a little bit of a warning I want to give you because Pastor George talks about this all the time. That any time you invite God to help you work on something or to work through you in something, he unfortunately gives you an opportunity to practice that. He opens the door for you to have the opportunity to love someone that's unlovable. But if if we go through... And we do this together and we're reminded of the fact that we don't owe the debt because anything that they've done, they, they don't deserve it. They will let us down. We will let ourselves down. But the fact that Christ first loved us allows us to love them. And then we, we live that out and we lean into God's strength and we focus on him and his intentions for our lives. And, and I thought about it this way, you know, it's, Even understanding this isn't enough. You know, I've read and studied this scripture and it's still something I know that I'm going to constantly need to be reminded of. I need to be reminded to, to forgive others as Christ forgave me every time I pray that prayer. Actually, I, I most of the time when I pray the Lord's Prayer focus on the first half of that, that you would forgive my debts. And I forget about that as I forgive those who have debts against me. But what would this look like as a church if we lived this out? To be known as a church in our community that loves people and loves people regardless of what they've done or or who they are, loves people that don't deserve it because of who Christ is. 
And the reality right now is that, that pain and heartache and division and anger and conflict, those things are everywhere. You can find those everywhere you go. But love's at a premium. And we have the opportunity as believers to choose to step out and do that and remind ourselves over and over again that it's through Christ, not through our own strength and not because anything that they've done. So my prayer would be that we do that together this week as a church. And I would say this, if, if you're hearing this idea of who Jesus is and the gospels of life and death and resurrection, and you want to talk to someone about that, we would love, you can make that decision today to follow him and to step into that transformative relationship that allows us to do this. Will you stand with me? And I'm going to pray and, and then we're going to sing this song that, that talks about it so beautifully. This, this idea that it's through him if nothing that we deserve. Let's pray. God, we just pray that you would work supernaturally through us. Even as we said the idea of loving the unlovable and there's, there might be people that come to mind in this room. God, we just pray that we, we first of all recognize that we can't do it on our own. And if we try to do it on our own, we're going to fail over and over and over again. But, but we need to take that burden, that weight, that debt off our own shoulders and recognize that we can do it through you. And God, I pray that you would work in us as individuals and as a church in a supernatural way, that it would be that nothing that we are capable of doing and everything that you are capable of doing through us. And as individuals in a church, as a church, we would be known for love. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.